Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Hi and welcome to Freedom of Species, where a show that brings animal advocacy to the airwaves of 3CR Community Radio. Before us, you heard Sally with Out of the Pan. Make sure you check that out every Sunday here on 3CR, 12 till 1pm. On the show today, we're going to be discussing an episode from another show, um, a podcast called Total Liberation Podcast, and we're going to be sort of uh, responding to, um, continuing the discussion from, I guess, with the most accurate way of uh, putting it, um, from episode 96, uh, Post-Veganism Beyond the Diet with Ash. Again, from Total Liberation Podcast. You can find that at totalliberationpodcast.com or search Total Liberation on your favourite podcast app. We'll also put a link to it in the notes um, and to discuss this with, with me today, I'm joined by Lottie. Welcome back to the show, Lottie. Hi. And yeah, on the end of that show, actually, they did mention that they um, said that they hope the episode will provoke discussions. Um, and from Lottie's sort of, I believe you had a bit of a look around social media and you couldn't find too many discussions that had been kind of continued from the show there might be you know conversations going on on discords etc but I, I think you couldn't find too much going on so we thought we'd do that on this show because I think it raised some uh, important issues for the animal movement um, but yeah I guess I'll kick things over to Lottie with where you want to kick start things off with. Yeah so yeah I thought first of all we could just kind of talk about and maybe define the concept of post-veganism um, so there, I had a yeah. I looked around online for, um, I guess, any references to post veganism, and didn't find too much. So, uh, I found, for example, there's a Twitter page called Post Veganism, which focuses on achieving systemic change to end animal oppression. Uh, another Instagram page um, that seemed to critique sexism and other forms of human oppression within veganism. Those are both kind of like meme you know, like political meme pages. So it was kind of hard to um, to get too much of a sense of, you know, exactly uh, how they define post-veganism. Uh, I found one article called Go Post-Vegan um, on veganstrategist.org, which suggested that post-veganism could be about not sticking to rules, but about having a real impact for animals, um, which may involve realising that being 100% vegan is often not necessary, nor is it sufficient. Um, and just as a, I guess, aside, like when I Googled um, post-veganism, there are also some web pages for like kind of supporting people who'd previously been vegan, but they didn't really have any mention of like the politics of animal rights. So it really seemed to be that they were no longer vegan, both in diet, but possibly also politics. And that's like not so much what we're discussing today. Um and as uh, Maxi uh, talks about on the Total Liberation podcast, they and I guess we also kind of are distancing themselves from post-vegetarianism, which is I guess a bit of a or was a bit of a movement about like consuming so-called humane animal products. Um, and yeah, that's not um, that's not really what we kind of um, you know we don't really consider that um, consuming humane animal products is really um, a thing so much. And can, um, I, can I just jump in there? I just want to quickly link that to a previous show we did. But, yeah, I want to sort of reiterate that, that I think, yeah, we're in fundamental agreement with the show that they were very clear they want animal agriculture and the commodification of animals to be abolished um, and the animal agriculture industry has to die for both animals and the environment. 
Um, I guess where I want to just jump in in terms of previous show, I did a show recently with Jamie Woodhouse, Should Animals Thank Farmers for Their Existence, which is it sort of dealt with that post-vegetarianism concept, the idea that having animals farmed in yeah, what, what they deem, uh, we disagree, but what they deem to be a humane way is not only morally acceptable, but is morally superior to veganism because the idea is, well, if everyone was vegan, those animals wouldn't be bred into existence at all. So that that's sort of the issue we looked at. And I guess something that I wanted to just touch on, which I think we maybe didn't articulate, we just didn't get the time to get onto. Um, it often feels short for me. I don't know how, how <laughs> short or long it feels for listeners, but um, I feel like something that we did sort of articulate, you know, in enough detail was the idea that um, – Killing animals, regardless of how it's done, um, and we're talking about you know otherwise healthy animals, not you know genuine euthanasia, but killing them for profit, you know, well before their lifespan, um, does cause is is a harm in itself because of you know depriving them of future happiness, similar to a human or a dog or a cat. The idea of cutting their life short for no no not for the benefit of the individual, but for some other reason um, is harmful in itself and that was one critique but I guess one thing which I feel like Jamie um, covered really well on his sentientism podcast which I encourage people to check out but we didn't sort of get a lot of time to uh, on this show was that actually not breeding them at all I guess like the vegan approach rather than the post-vegetarian approach actually there's no harm at all because there's no one to harm. So like not bringing someone into existence is not a harm because there's no one to harm. So as I guess like for myself, the idea of like, again, the post vegetarianism does cause harm because you're, you're killing animals. Um, and again, we've talked about why that's harm and the vegan approach, there's no harm because again, you're not depriving anyone of anything because they don't exist. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that's definitely my stance for animals and humans. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, so then, yeah, I guess bringing it to the total liberation discussion, so they kind of framed it as, um, I guess, you know, they, they maybe didn't so specifically define what post-veganism is, but they kind of uh, gave, I suppose, the rationale for why they were referring to it as post-veganism as where do we go when we realize that consumer-based activism is insufficient but we still care about total liberation? How do we actually take seriously the idea that veganism is a political stance and a political movement that should be aimed at dismantling systems of oppression? So I thought we could start off um, by maybe kind of summarizing um, the points that they made that that we agree with Mm -hmm. um, and that we think fit into um uh well what i think should fit into the the political movement of veganism um and you know maybe my idea is that it's it's a bit neither here nor there whether you refer to it as post-veganism i think these are ideas that should fit into the the vegan movement anyway um so yeah i think the first point there is that consumer-based actions are insufficient um so Maxi makes the um the point on the podcast which Nick I think you have uh maybe a counter argument for but um she she says she argues that animal pr- production is increasing despite veganism and vegetarianism increasing and this is because there are like government substance subsidies which means that the normal supply demand process within the animal agriculture industry doesn't work as they should so government um governments will bail out bail out animal agriculture um if they overproduce and so they don't really have an incentive to to produce less animal products um regardless of whether consumers are consuming less um and so these um these kind of these kinds of things in structural things in place like government subsidies need to change as well as consumer practices mm. um did you want to talk about the the claim that animal production is increasing yeah, I, I guess I yeah, and I would say there's a lot of agreement I have there as well in terms of I agree that individuals are you know somewhat limited and yeah, there's a lot of other things going on beyond individual um, consumption in terms of government subsidies and and industries and and all those kind of things. So I feel like I've got a lot of agreement too, um, but I, I guess the the argument that animal consumption has increased despite veganism. And therefore, we can come to the conclusion that veganism is not effective. I feel like, 
um, yeah, I, I feel like I, I guess I, I do see some validity to that in terms of, I guess, viewing veganism not as an end in itself. So veganism isn't, you know, we don't want just want more vegans because we want more people eating the same way as us or something. Like it's not an end in itself. Like it's only beneficial if it actually benefits animals. And so I think it is important to look into those kind of questions. Um, I I guess I've looked into the data. This is from faunalytics.org. We'll put a link to it in the notes, but looked in the number of animals being consumed. um, And they didn't have an overall figure because they broke it down via individual animal but when we do look at on on a per capita basis which i did mention that even on a per capita level it has increased and i i think that is true but i think probably one of the main reasons for that is actually a shift from consuming animals like cows and pigs that actually um produce more food per individual slaughtered if that makes sense that shift towards those animals towards chickens um where you actually have to slaughter quite a small number of individuals to get that much Large food. number of individuals, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, fish fish consumption has declined, cow consumption has declined, um, sheep consumption has declined, um, pig has sort of vaguely trended up but has been going back and forth a bit. Um, but again, chicken has gone up. And so, yeah, I, I guess like, I, again, I yeah, if the total number has increased, which again, I think it probably has. Again, I couldn't see it in that data because it was broken down by animal. But again, because chickens are on such a huge scale because chicken consumption has increased, it probably has. But to put that down to a failure of veganism seems like there's just so many other things going on there as well. Like a, a similar argument I've heard is that um, more from a, a welfare point of view, there's some welfare advocates who argue that not only will animal welfare reforms, you know, bigger cages and those kind of things, you know, free range products, etc. not only will that be better for the animals involved, but will actually consume less as well as a result of that. So you could equally point to that go, well, that's actually been ineffective. Um, there's also obviously like the industrialization of you know, non-Western countries, which tends to be associated with increased animal consumption. I don't think that will necessarily go on indefinitely for example in china for example with increased living standards there's been growing um concerns about health and i guess once the economic needs there's more room to discuss ethical issues and so there's actually in china at least potentially it might start declining at some point as well animal consumption too but i guess i guess there's so many different things going on there and vegans are such a small proportion of the population um i've mainly looked at australia us but we're looking at one percent two percent three percent it's there's not many reliable studies but it's very very small numbers so yeah we can say it's going up but to say therefore veganism has failed i think there's just so many other things going on Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so it's complex (laughs) yeah 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 um i think that's i think that's all that's all fair i think it it um i suppose does mean that Maxie's point that um that like veganism itself is insufficient um is valid because there are, you know, there are so few vegans currently. Um, but yeah, so maybe, yeah, moving on to uh, another another point that was made that I definitely agree with um, is that a, a vegan diet alone is not a fully ethical diet or lifestyle. Um, so, you know, there are many vegan products that are from non-vegan companies or parent companies. So, um, you know, you're still kind of, you're still supporting, um, companies that basically, you know, just care about their, their profits, um, and, uh, that also sell many non-vegan products. There are also many non-animal issues to consider, uh, like whether your products are, um, created using slave or underpaid labor um the environmental impact with with of your of the products that you're buying so i think that it's really important to to make it clear that voting with your dollar can't be part of an anti-capitalist approach and the people who have it it, it should never be kind of implied that the people who have more money and therefore can buy more so-called good products are never, um, I guess, the ones that we should consider are doing a better job than people who who don't have so much money. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think that is definitely an issue where increased cost is involved, and I think that's a it's a matter for debate whether that is the case with veganism. There's obviously a lot of expensive vegan products, and there's also very cheap vegan products like rice and beans, for example. So yeah, yeah it, it's quite uh, complex that question. I think I, I I don't want to try to jump into where we disagree. But I think there's going to be again. I think a lot yeah, of time yeah, I agree, complex. but there's also yeah. disclaimers or different framing or something like that. Um, and yeah, like I. I guess where I would disagree, um, I agree with a lot of what you just said, but I guess where I disagree is that they basically made it seem as though it was totally besides the point and, you know, not even a valid question of whether you are buying a vegan burger at Hungry Jack's or a non-vegan burger. And I would disagree with that. I would say that there are still a lot of ethical issues with Hungry Jack's or Burger King. They, they We call it Hungry Jack's in Australia. But yeah, like, I, I guess I'd view it like, I guess to extrapolate that further now that some of these places are offering vegan options, um, would a vegan McDonald's be an ethical place? And I would say, no, it wouldn't because there's packaging, which is going to Damage the environment. If we keep it exactly the same and just switch to plant-based products, there's packaging, um, there's poor treatment of workers, that kind of thing. So, is it is it ethical? Like, no, there would still be a lot of ethical issues with McDonald's, even if they switch to fully vegan. But is it a pointless question whether McDonald's is vegan or not? I would say not. I would say that it would be a substantial gain, as much as there still be issues, if McDonald's did switch from yeah animal base with some vegan options to yeah fully vegan. I think that would be a substantial benefit for animals the environment etc and as much as you know veganism doesn't have to mean going to hungry jackson that's not the most you know not the most revolutionary thing you can do i do think that buying a vegan burger at burger king is better than buying a non-vegan burger because it's going to have a lower environmental impact it can still be part of that shift towards like animal-based foods towards plant-based foods etc so yeah i think there's a lot of validity in there but i felt like they sort of overstated the limitations of veganism in my perspective yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. And I think, like, um, you know, if we're going by um, the kind of the stance that people should just try their best, there will be people who do just find it easier to be able to sometimes stop off at a Hungry Jack's or Burger King um, and grab the, the vegan burger, you know, if they're on, if they're, like, stopping at a petrol station or... Um, you know they're in a group and that you know there just aren't any other of other of non-vegans and you know there just aren't other places to eat um i think it just will make the you know it can make the lives of those people a bit easier and help them stick to veganism more broadly so i don't think it's a like a totally futile problem no and yeah. for me those places again as much as they're not ethical them adding vegan options is a positive thing like it's not it's not the end of the thing like now i can get a vegan burger at, at burger king or hungry jacks that oh therefore we've won because i as a vegan get it because obviously still so much animal harm is causing by is caused by that company but yeah i do i do view it as not totally frivolous i do view it as a net positive a net small positive but um i guess i think back to being a teenager and eating a lot of fast food and mcdonald's those kind of things and i was not vegan or vegetarian at the time but if i was i think that idea of like being able to get a, a vegan burger i think like the social aspects of veganism is something me and lottie and meg did a show on a while ago i think that we often sort of put that by the wayside and go yeah everyone else is doing it but you should do the right thing like we kind of underplay that social aspect but i think it's really important so i think for particularly you know for people in a certain age or a certain friendship circle that does eat at fast food a lot having a vegan thing a vegan option at those things again is is a net positive it's not the end goal or anything like that but i think it is a net positive for, yeah for animals and for vegans yeah yeah yeah, yeah for sure um so a couple of other points that they made but Maybe so. These aren't disagreements, I guess that that um, that I have with um, Mexi and Ash, but I think they maybe made this point, but kind of put it to the side a little bit. And I, I think I um, would maybe, you know, I think that it's important to kind of emphasize these issues. As so, one um, is that despite the fact that there's no ethical consumption under capitalism, we should try to minimise our harm as much as we can. Um, so we should consider the fact the factors that we can control. Um, so, you know, um, you know, I guess if you think about it, anything that you purchase probably has like some animal or animal and human suffering involved. Um, 
maybe products that you've purchased when they were being driven over to your city in a truck, that truck might have hit an animal on the road. But I think there is a difference in kind of, um, uh, you know, accidental or just, um, you know, um, harm being done like that and purposely and inherently have being harmful the way that consuming animal products is. Um, and so I think, yeah, we should really be moving away from supporting industries and products that inherently do harm. Yep. And then um, another point that they make that I definitely agree with, but I think maybe could be emphasized a little bit more, uh, is the importance of prefiguration. So prefiguration is um, basically imagining or I guess trying to live the way that we would live in the future utopian ethical world that that we would like to live in. Um, so I guess, you know, for me and I think for you, Nick, that, would, that future would be a post-capitalist and post-animal agriculture world. Um, so I think it is actually really important that we're, you know, now getting into the habit um, and learning to appreciate things outside of consumption and exploitation um, so that we're preparing ourselves to be happy in a world where those things are abolished. So let's say if tomorrow the animal agriculture industry was abolished overnight and a lot of people who aren't vegan in principle supported that because even though they weren't vegan, they understood that it was a harmful industry a lot of them would probably still just be like a bit upset and dissatisfied with what they're able to eat and cook because they're used to not being vegan and then tomorrow they're just kind of forced to be vegan. Um, I think that we're kind of helping by being vegan and um, I guess, you know, cooking vegan food for people, even if they're not vegan, we're kind of preparing ourselves to to continue to take joy in cooking and eating Um even you know in in a way that we could still enjoy those things in a in a post capitalist and post animal agriculture world and i think that's really important with food and veganism but also you know other things as well like just you know consumption in general and things like that yeah, absolutely yeah i've got a lot to say to those things but let's let's play a song and we'll come back with more on um prefiguration and minimizing harm and all those different topics that lottie raised just then um we're going to play a song um from the movie the little mermaid the recent live action movie um under the sea by david diggs and the little mermaid cast um on a side note because we've mentioned anti-capitalism that kind of thing there are lyrics sort of um somewhat anti-capitalist or anti-work so up on the shore they work all day out in the sun they slave away while we do devote in full time to floating so i thought that was uh interesting there but i guess the main reason i'm playing is, is around animal themes and around um anti sort of anti-fishing kind of messages um basically saying it's not fun to be a fish stuck in a bowl, but that's even better than, or, or better than being eaten. Like you're going to end up on someone's plate. You're going to be fried. And, and yeah, basically humans love to, to cook us in terms of the marine animals. So I thought it was quite a relevant one from that respect. Okay, okay, listen to me. The human world is a mess. Life under the sea is better than anything they got going on up there. The seaweed is always greener in somebody else's lake. You dream about going up there, but that is a big mistake. Just look at the world around you, right here on the ocean floor. Such wonderful things surround you. What more is you looking for? Under the sea, under the sea. Darling, it's better, don't wear it's wetter. Take it from me. Up on the shore they work all day Out in the sun they slave away While we devoting full time to floating under the sea Down here all the fish is happy As off through the waves they roll The fish on the land ain't happy They sad cause they in the bowl But fish in the bowl is lucky They in for a worse fate one day when the boss get hungry, guess who gon' be on the plate? Oh no! Under the sea, under the sea, nobody beat us, fry us and eat us in fricassee. <laughs> we want the land folks love to cook, under the sea we off the hook. 
We got no troubles. Life is the bubbles under the sea. Under the sea. Yes, child. It's like the sweet here. We got the beat here naturally. Even the sturgeon and the ray, they get the urge and start to play. We got the spirit, you got to hear it under the sea. Watch this. The newt play the flute, the cock play the harp, the bass play the bass and they sounding sharp. The bass play the brass, the trump play the top. The flute is the duke of soul. Yeah, the ray he can play the links on the strings, the trout rock and out the blackfish. He sing the smelt and the spread, they know where he's at. And all that blowfish blow. Kafirs are Palestinian scarves and they're a symbol of support for justice for the Palestinian people. Buying one will support the last remaining factory in Hebron that makes kafirs and all proceeds from the sales support projects in Palestine, especially Gaza, as well as local solidarity organisations. From the traditional black and white kafir to an array of modern designs, explore the range and order online or drop by 3CR during business hours. Where your support for the rights of Palestinians. Go to kafias.org.au. That's K-U-F-I-Y-A-S.org.au. A 3CR supporter. Welcome back to Freedom of Species. On the show today, we're talking about um, post-veganism, which was a concept that came up in a recent um, Total Liberation podcast episode. If you have any feedback on the show, um, if you're listening live, you can text in on 0488-809-855. That is 0488-809-855 if you have any questions or comments. And you can also um, email us, freedomofspecies at gmail.com or contact us on social media if you have any questions or comments. Um yeah, I, I guess Lottie made some points uh, before the song, which was from The Little Mermaid, um, around prefiguration and this idea of, you know, causing harm inevitably but still trying to reduce harm and those kind of issues. I, I guess I would say, yeah, that there was a point from the show, um, the idea of, you know, you could have a, um, a like a truck, for example, carrying non-vegan products, sorry, carrying vegan products and and that could hit a deer, for example, um, and therefore it was kind of pointless to to consume that vegan product because it could um, it could cause harm anyway. Um, but yeah, I guess the I guess my point, and I think Mexi kind of made this point on the show as well. There's like direct harm versus incidental harm, um, and yeah, of course that that um, that truck kind of could hit a. It could hit a deer, but so like, you know, maybe it won't as well, but also maybe a truck carrying deer meat could also hit a deer as mm. well as kind of often those arguments are framed as though the animal uh, option causes no additional harm and veganism causes all these incidental harm, but like that could be equally the the other way. And so, yeah, I, I guess I it did remind me a little bit of um, I'm currently doing a, um, or me and a colleague are doing a review of um the scientific literature around veganism or vegan diets environmentally compared to other diets and yeah generally they find vegan diets have the lowest impact uh and one of the articles said um basically acknowledged that and said but 
uh, having said that, following vegetarian or vegan diet should not be conflated with sustainable lifestyles, since one can adhere to a low-meat diet while causing negative environmental impacts in other aspects of life, commuting long distances by private vehicle, frequent air travel, large dwelling, etc., that more than negate the positive environmental impacts of food choices. And I just <laughs> thought that was a weird argument to bring in because you can also eat animals and try drive long distances, you know, do air travel, have a large house, like it kind of acting as though like that negated it when it's like, it's not, it's not only vegans doing that stuff. So it was like, yeah, again, I kind of saw a little bit of that kind of creeping, like a, a bit of like a, a straw man argument against vegans. Um, and while I guess from the show, I'd be very happy that people who are vegan and in the animal movement would be thinking about other ways we can bring about change beyond, um, beyond individual consumption, which I'm totally supportive of. I, I imagine listening to it from non-vegan ears, you'd probably be like, well, what's the point in going vegan? Because the the vegan products have petrochemicals, which they mentioned the vegan the truck carrying vegan tr- products could hit the deer. I really think you'd be like, well, what's the point of going vegan? Um, but I wanted to bring in something. Yeah, Mexi said this was years ago on Revolutionary Left Radio, um, which was which I thought was really good anti-capitalist argument for veganism in terms of arguing that like you know yet yeah you know, there's still gonna be harm and that kind of thing but i guess some people argue okay well it's structural so we just need to wait till after capitalism and then we'll sort out the animal issue and similar yeah you know, sometimes argue along similar lines when it comes to feminism and other issues as well like after the revolution we'll deal with that and she was basically arguing well if we're not going to do what we can under capitalism why would we all of a sudden totally change our minds and do it post-capitalism? And I think that includes veganism too. Like, let's try and minimise the harm as much as it isn't a perfect thing. Um, and finally, I think around prefiguration, which they mentioned quite a few times on the show, um, and one of the hosts, Ash, mentioned it could be part of prefiguration, but we haven't quite figured it out yet. And I was kind of thinking, well, let's try and figure it out rather than sort of throw veganism out and not even think it could be part of the animal movement, not the only tactic we have. Um, and I guess one person who I think has done a lot of thinking around this issue is Roger Yates, who's based in Ireland and activist and sociologist we've had on the show before. Uh, but one sort of opportunity he's spoken about in terms of veganism is it kind of rolls all animal advocacy campaigns into one or at least most campaigns. So, you know, vegans don't go to circuses with animals. Vegans don't go to the rodeo. Vegan, like if you understand veganism, probably like an animal rights vegan, you don't go to horse racing. So there's that idea of sort of we're, we're doing all these important campaigns, but veganism kind of rolls them into one. Um, and I was even thinking around, like, let's say dog consumption in China, for example, and there's animal activists within China challenging that. There's also animal activists advocating veganism. But I guess one sort of problem of sort of running these campaigns without a vegan ethic is you could ban um, dog slaughter in China. Uh, but if it's not, if it doesn't have a vegan ethic, they might just switch to eating pigs, for example. And so it's not a net gain for animals. It's just switching from one species to the other. So I think there is a lot of good stuff and then Lottie you know raised some points along those lines um but yeah again I think there's a lot more to tease out in terms of prefiguration yeah yeah I think that's definitely true um and a point that I wanted to make is that I yeah I think that mainstream ethics and by extension our consumer practices need to move towards veganism in order for systemic change to come into effect um because you know now currently um the kind of mainstream um the mainstream thought basically is or expectation is that um, animals' lives by default are considered lesser th- than humans. Um, I don't think we can expect an ethic of animal liberation to just seep into mainstream politics without trying, without, um, you know, pushing for a, a, um, an animal liberation ethic and, um, and, and holding other people to, to, to you know, accountable to to try and move their ethics towards a, a less speciesist um view yeah and i, th- yeah. I think it, in terms of the what it can be part of i think another person who's done a lot of thinking around this issue is Corey wren and and she's written 
an article, How to Help When It Hurts, Think Systemic, and basically makes very similar points to on that podcast. Uh, meat and dairy production is artificially high um, due to artificially low prices, heavy advertising, misleading nutritional advice, and is forced into the system regardless of consumer desires. So she's very much talking about that structural. It's not so much individuals that are blamed for this, um, but she sort of doesn't throw out veganism, but sort of fr- reframes it more as a, a political protest rather than, you know, directly sort of interfering in the sort of the mechanics of supply and demand, which we've touched on some of the inadequacies, inadequacies of that. So I guess I'd see it as pretty similar to sort of other forms of oppression in terms of like one person calling out a sexist joke doesn't sort of end sexism somewhere else or whatever, but it is sort of a part of a cultural shift. I guess, yeah. I guess, I guess that's how I try and frame it rather than you've saved 100 animals a year or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah for sure, yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess maybe moving on a bit to um, uh, on the note of having a more systemic approach to animal rights. So yeah, this is this is um, one of the big points that that Maxi and Ash were making that I definitely agree with. So that there needs to be a broader animal rights movement um, for individuals to take part in, um, and. Um, and you know they should be able people should be able to take part um, I guess regardless of their diet um, and I wanted to give uh, I guess speak about uh, a really cool example that I've heard about recently which is plant-based universities so I had that um, as well that's really yeah, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah Nick you you kind of uh, alerted me to that because uh, they had a, an open letter that they were seek, seeking signatures for recently so plant-based universities um, is a student-led campaign for all universities, all university catering facilities to transition 100% of their menus to plant-based in order to limit the university's contribution to the climate and ecological emergency and shift public opinion in favour of a plant-based food system. Um, And in particular, in this recent open letter, I thought it was, um, you know, great that they stated... Um, not vegan, that's okay. We're not asking for individual dietary changes. Students and staff can still bring whatever food they like onto campus. What we are asking for is institutional divestment within procurement in the same way that universities are boycotting fossil fuel companies. So I think that's really great. And that's something you've talked about other times, Nick, Mm -hmm. that um, I think we need to have the same approach um, to uh, you know the way that we talk about fossil fuels. People aren't shamed um, if if they have um, if they have an electricity company that that uses fossil fuels um, because there is the focus on um, uh, on it being a systemic issue and I guess inequities in terms of uh, what are the cheaper options and and things like that. Um, and so I think it is great that um, you know they're not excluding non vegans from taking part in this. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's something I've changed my perspective on over the last few years because I think the the logic, which I, yeah, they're challenging on this episode as well, is that in the animal movement, like you first go vegan and then once you've done that, you can do more. Um, and yeah, I guess the the idea, which, which I totally agree with, of people who aren't vegan can still advocate for animals in other ways, can advocate for a shift structurally towards plant-based food systems as well. Um, so yeah, I think that was a really important part of, of the episode that they did. Um, and I guess I, to link it back to a point Lottie made before around... Um, yeah, that there's quite broad support philosophically for veganism or at least the idea that we need to move away from animal um, consumption and animal-based food systems, whether that is for animals or particularly the environment. Um, and I guess like there's two different things we can do at that point. We can go, okay, you already believe this. Let's try and make your consumption in line with that. But the other option is to go, okay, there is this broad support. So how can we, as you mentioned, for example, get universities to go totally bland plant base in the food that they serve, for example, even though those people at university aren't necessarily vegan. And I, I, I still think I wouldn't necessarily throw out, I still think there is something to be said for that individual change and encouraging people to kind of put those philosophies into practice. But at the same time, I, I do think also we, it's not the only option we have. It's not the only tool. And I think that was an important uh, point from the episode. It's not the, like veganism is one tool, it's one tactic, but it's not the only thing we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so just, I guess, 
um, now maybe like a disagreement that I had in the way that Mexi talked about, um, I suppose, speciesism as a systemic issue as opposed to um, uh, operating on the individual level. Um, so the, I guess the way that Mexi defines speciesism is that it's only a systemic issue, so we need to abolish animal oppression at the systemic issue, but that individual level um, animal use um, and killing is not speciesism. Um, I guess I would, I would say that that doesn't. That's not my definition of speciesism, and I'm not sure if it totally makes sense. So we don't really apply this to other forms of oppression. So if we kind of, if we consider sexism as an analogy, um, sexism towards women and, and trans and non-binary people operates because of patriarchy, which is a system whereby men have more power than women and other genders. Um, and because of this system of oppression, if, for example, a woman hates men, that isn't really considered sexism because she doesn't have the system backing her up and giving her power. Um, and so we can think of this the same way when it comes to animals. So if a shark attacks a human, you wouldn't call it speciesism um, because we, um, you know, we live in a world of human supremacy and human, uh, I guess, uh, mistreatment of animals uh, is kind of backed up by human supremacy. And so that's what allows it to operate. But then going back to sexism, if an individual man um, you know, abuses an individual woman, calls her, you know, B, the B word or um, expects her to do all the housework, we would still call this sexism even though it only affects one woman because it's um, that man is being backed by the patriarchy basically to be able to um, have, you know, mistreat that one individual woman in that way. And I think we should consider the same towards animals. So, um, you know, uh, like I said, speciesism operates because of human supremacy um, and where animals' lives are considered less important. And so because of that, I would argue that any act of harming or controlling or killing an animal is speciesist regardless of whether um, it's at a systemic level or not. Um, and I think that this is important because I think that considering speciesism only as a system decenters the lives and the sentience of individual animals who have a right to a pleasurable life with minimal suffering. Um, and, I, yeah, I think that considering, I guess, it, it, it can you can kind of fall into a trap because there are billions and billions of animals in the world that suffer, that we consider them as kind of a, um, I guess, a, a system rather than individuals. But I think it is really important to, to continue to see animals as individuals and, and the suffering that they can experience. Yeah, we'll, we'll continue that discussion in a moment. We're going to play another song. I thought this was quite a relevant one because we're talking today a lot about individual change, structural change, systems, individuals, etc. So we're going to play the song Me Time by Stick. Stick is part of the hip-hop duo Dead Prez, and this is from his album Workout 2. So he does workout albums, um, which I, I really enjoy. Um, but basically these workout albums are very much focused on individual improvement. So it's all about kind of improving your own life, improving your own health, those kind of things. Things. But I feel like that individual focus doesn't have to be at the expense of systems. So this song is all about um, spending time in prison um, and sort of trying to make the best of that time, but also highlighting systemic issues with imprisonment um, with lyrics like middle finger up to the police state. So like that idea of you can still focus on individual improvement or individual ethics, but still um, still look at the, the bigger picture as well. And I think um, this song, but also, yeah, these workout albums in general do that and and yeah, dead prayers and and stick and his politics that kind of thing and he's also a vegan and advocate advocate for plant-based eating primarily for health but also he definitely um yeah definitely sports animal rights as well um and this song specifically mentions plant-based eating as well time in a cell can be a game changer i could hate it or redirect that same anger refocus on life like in a monk's chamber get physically fit back on my healthy gangster study and read and keep my mind solid a student of life don't have to go to college i got me a plan for when them gates open for when i'm back on the block so i can stay focused 
Time is a flip if I invest it right. Maximize every day and get some rest at night. Stay away from them beefs if I can help it. To get to my goal, might have to be a little selfish. Build genuine strength, others respect it. Won't let nothing jeopardize my objective. Jail ain't nothing nice, but I got the right perspective. Setbacks set up the comeback for when I exit. They got my body, can't lock my mind down. Making the most of the time before I time out. Doing time, but it feels like it's my time now. Throw me in the hole, no rope, watch how I climb out. They got my body, can't lock my mind down. Making the most of the time before I time out. Doing time, but it feels like it's my time now. Throw me in the hole, no rope, watch how I climb out. You know it's not set up for no justice or rehabilitation. It's on us to make it work for us. Mistakes happen, that's the breaks, but I won't break. Take the opportunity to bend time and twist fate. In my favor as the seconds of the days drip. Got the plan ready when I step out on the pavement. Freeing my mind from the mental enslavement. Making sure the time is not in vain where my days went. Mastering time behind the iron gates. Meditating in myself, feel like I escape. One day at a time to my release date. Middle finger still up to this police state. They got my body, can't lock my mind down. Making the most of the time before I time out. Doing time, but it feels like it's my time now. Throw me in a hole, no rope, watch how I climb out. This is me time, I'm building me time. I'm not wasting the time, I'm making me time. Ain't no next time, this is G time. Working on going home swole in the meantime. Can't dwell on mistakes, gotta move forward. My body caves, not my spirit, I'ma move forward. Another brother in the system with a den number. Uncles don't think nothing of it, cause they did numbers. Gone a few summers, I'll be back swole. Behind bars, but I still got self-control. Shadow box like hurricane when I'm in my cell. Till I'm free, I make it me time in this jail. Through the training, no complaining, I'm a soldier on. 50 sets for the cells open in the morn. Through the bars, playing chess with the eye key. He told me, bro, stay sharp, keep your mind free. Channel stress in the yard, working biceps. Change man, self-made metamorphosis. Ain't nothing about this jail time glorious, but I conquer my time cause I'm a warrior. They got my body, can't lock my mind down. Making the most of the time before I time out. Doing time, but it feels like it's my time now. Throw me in a hole, no rope, watch how I climb out. This is me time, I'm feeling me time. I'm not wasting the time, I'm making me time. Ain't no next time. This is G time, working on going home swole in the meantime. My third eye's lifted, my soul is stretched. I'm in the fight for my life, so it's blows to death. Knowing it's a death date, I'ma exercise greatest while I'm living till I get to the next place. Plan base, let's go champ and make the camp safe. Knowing that the bears come, kill you with a rhyme I breathe. That's an air gun, monster like Bruce Lee had to shoot the fear one. If you got a jewel on your brain, then you should share one. If you got a penny to spare, then you should spare one. Receive what you give, believe what you live, work hard and achieve for your kids. I meditated and concentrated, never contemplated what's complicated. I just moved forward and dominated. If your soul's locked up, get it exonerated. We stand for greatness. The future is us. So as long as we stand together and stand strong, nothing can touch us. Build and uplift one another in all aspects, mentally, physically, and spiritually. What I come from is that let me know where I'm going. So I know it's to the top. The harder they hit me, I still ain't fall. I'm never gonna drop. Hiroshima Day Rally for Peace and Against Nuclear Submarines, AUKUS and War. Nationwide commemorations and events will be held on the 78th anniversary of the U.S. dropping nuclear bombs on the Japanese cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Join millions of people across the world in sending a powerful message, never again. On Sunday, 6th of August at 1pm at the State Library of Victoria. For more information, you can visit the Facebook page No AUKUS Coalition Vic, a 3CR supporter. 
Sleep debt is the symptom of the problem. What we're seeing is obscenely well-remunerated vice-chancellors. It's appalling how badly universities have been treating their casual workers. They want to pretend that they can continue on with business as usual. Well, comrades, we're here to say no. You're listening to Radical Radio on 3CR. 855 on your AM dial, 3CR digital, and podcasting and streaming on 3cr.org.au. Welcome back to Freedom of Species on 3CR Radical Radio. Um, we just heard the song Me Time by Stick, and I just want to give a quick shout-out to Beyond the Bars, which features Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander um, prisoners and, and their voices um, on 3CR Radio, and check that out at 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars, and I think it... it that um yeah that that program um, those specials really sort of deal with those issues of sort of individual improvement in prison but also dealing with the systemic issues um with imprisonment and specifically indigenous imprisonment etc so definitely check that out um before we get into the final part of the discussion which is around post-veganism which is what we're discussing i just want to give a quick shout out before i forget I want to give a big thank you to all the listeners who donated to our Radiothon campaign. We had a target of $1,200, and we managed to raise $1,464. So we reached our target. So thanks so much to all the listeners who donated, um, and that will go towards not only keeping our show going, but keeping all the important shows across 3CR going, including Beyond the Bar as well. So thanks so much to everyone for their support, and I'll hand it over to Lottie for, um, yeah, some final thoughts before we wrap up yeah so i think the the last thing we wanted to quickly talk about is um is how to how to make the the animal liberation movement inclusive um to everyone um and i guess this means um um you know including people who aren't on a fully vegan or you know uh, a fully plant-based diet um and, and yeah, this was a point that, that Maxi and Ash talked about quite a lot in their podcast episode, um, which I uh, agree with that we, we do need to have compassion for people who I think are excluded from being able to have a fully plant-based diet, uh, whether that is because uh, of kind of food access issues, money, is- um, money issues, um, health conditions um, and things like that. Um, but I, I think... I guess a point that that I would like to make is that a widely used definition of veganism is um, excluding as far as is possible and practicable all forms of exploitation of and cruelty to animals for food, clothing or any other purposes. And I think this as far as is possible and practicable clause is really important to consider. Um, So I guess I think maybe uh, something that could change within the movement um, but that I don't think is necessarily totally new. It, it's maybe just um, particular individual vegans maybe maybe kind of um, are more or less charitable than others. But I, I think it's important that uh, the vegan movement kind of leaves it up to individuals to decide for themselves what um, – what it means to be vegan as far as is possible and practicable um, so that anyone could be vegan um, if they if they decide to be. Um, but, yeah, I suppose this means that we are just trying to keep – to some extent we're still trying to hold each other accountable to be as vegan and to reduce um, our – our use and exploitation of animals as much as is possible, um, but that it doesn't need to be an all or nothing thing because there are still, I guess, you know, access issues when it comes to be able being able to live um, a, a fully vegan lifestyle. What do you think of that, Nick? I guess I would sort of um, say that I guess a common you know reason for people going back on I mean it's not widespread but yeah one of you know, one of the reasons I should say for people stop being vegan is that their medical professional advises them to go back to eat animal products to deal with a particular you know, health condition and I don't want to you know overstate my expertise and say they should be vegan or anything like that but I guess I would say that similar to that scientific literature I spoke about earlier uh, like doctors are also influenced by what Melanie Joy calls a 
harnessed ideology that eating certain animals, so not dogs and cats, but eating cows, pigs, chickens, etc., is normal, natural, necessary. So sometimes that can be underlying their recommendations rather than the actual science. And there can also be a lack of knowledge of how to plan a healthy vegan diet from them. So it might be easier for them to advise you to eat animals. So I guess, and I understand people are in different positions to do this, but I guess what, what I would do if my medical professional advised me to eat animal products is at least have a conversation about that and say, you know, do I need fish or do I just need omega-3, which I can get through an algae supplement? I have those discussions. Again, people are in different different places to be able to do that in different situations. But I would just encourage people, again, you can have a conversation with your medical profession um, professional. Um, you can sometimes get a second opinion, maybe someone who is um, better informed on plant-based health and can tell you how to, how to do that within a plant-based diet, that kind of thing. Um, and again, people have different, you know, confidence, different ability um, to do that. But I would just say, yeah, again, I, I guess just be, um, yeah, be, be mindful that sometimes there can be other ways to do it. I'm not saying that's the case for everyone, but sometimes there can be. I guess one example came to mind where someone I knew who was a vegan animal advocate was advised she can't be pregnant and stay vegan. Full stop. No health condition. Just that's impossible. Um, and the American Dietetic, Dietetic Association has said well-planned vegan diets, including vegetarian diets, are appropriate for individuals during all stages of the life cycle, including pregnancy, lactation, infancy, childhood, and adolescence, and for athletes. So, like, I feel like she got false information. So, I'm not saying um, any hate for that individual or any sort of the stuff that I talk about on that show, but sometimes it can be a matter of having a discussion with a professional or um, trying to seek out someone who's more informed on plant-based nutrition as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of an uh, an issue about yeah, just kind of what the what the mainstream attitudes are towards veganism, and that there is a lack of evidence and maybe evidence dissemination. So, I think there is quite a big focus on um, anti ableism, meaning that disabled people are you know, so allowed to, to eat non-vegan and they shouldn't be excluded from the animal liberation movement, which I agree with. But I think we, we should also be considering that disabled people should be able to be given, they should have access to a wider rate of food options where they can be healthy on what they consider to be an ethical diet. So I think there is a big incentive to to kind of demand that there is better um you know, evidence or like more research on what uh, what can constitute a healthy vegan diet, um, and then that evidence being disseminated to health healthcare providers, so that um, so that we the community are getting you know the best the best evidence um, on how to be healthy in ways that we consider to be ethical. Great. We are totally out of time. So we better get going. Thanks so much for coming up with this idea for the show, Lottie, and for joining me today. No worries. Thanks for having me. Stay tuned for rotations for some more music. And the music we're going to play here is Rumi by Serge Tankian from System of Down, but this is his solo stuff. The lyric is, be the change you want to see. So I think that is kind of relevant to veganism. Don't need to be limited to individual change, but I think it's important. Oh, dear Rumi, my little baby, I love you. Sound of every action Striving to hear 
been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.